Thanks to our sponsor, Avpoint. If you like the Microsoft Cloud Show, you'll love the Shift Happens podcast with MVP and Regional Director Dux Raymond Sai. Each week, Dux talks with one of the industry's brightest stars about their most challenging modern workplace or digital transformation project. He uncovers the players, organizational hurdles, and last-minute surprises that inevitably rise when ambitious people try to impact their workspace. Season 1 features FedEx, Wells Fargo, Heathrow Airport, United Airlines, and other industry leaders. Go to avpoint.com slash blog slash shift happens or search for the hashtag shift happens. That's one word, shift happens, wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 397, where today, AC is flying solo and catching up on the state of Microsoft 365 with Julie Turner and Mark Anderson of Simpraxis, recorded live February the 18th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by ShareGate. Do you know how many files are shared outside your organization? Do you know which of your groups and teams are actually being used? Are you sure that every team in your tenant is a valid owner? Do you know why your users create new teams in Microsoft 365 groups? ShareGate's got your back. After helping thousands of customers move to Office 365, they've learned that success in the cloud involves more than just migration. And that's why they created ShareGate Apricot, an automated governance platform for Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 groups. ShareGate Apricot can help you answer questions like these without placing unnecessary restrictions on your users. With ShareGate Apricot, get full visibility across each team's lifecycle from creation all the way through to archival. Automate manual tasks involved in identifying problem areas like inactive or orphan teams and collaborate team owners on corrective measures to keep your teams tidy and secure. And that's why they've also combined ShareGate Desktop, their trusted migration and content management tool with ShareGate Apricot in a single subscription so that you have everything that you need to be successful in the Microsoft Cloud. And now back to the show. Hello, everybody. This is AC. I'm flying solo without CJ while he's out playing on like long sticks on frozen water with the family. He's skiing somewhere while the rest of the country is freezing or under snow or like Texas, they have no power and no water, which is crazy watching some of the news stories coming out of Texas, except for Florida, where it's 80 degrees outside and it's sunny and we're dealing with pollen. So I feel like we're on the, uh, the rest of the country is in the we hate Florida right now kind of mode, but we get that a lot. So it's okay. Today, I've got a fun show. We're going to sit down with two good friends, some regulars on the show have been on a couple of times, looking forward to getting their take on Microsoft 365, the state on Microsoft 365 and some recent stuff that we've heard. I do want to highlight two things, though, that are message center related things to make sure I pass along these before we get too deep into the show so that everybody has a chance to make sure they're aware of these. One of them is message center 240160. And this is a reminder that Microsoft is disabling TLS 1.0 and 1.1 in Microsoft 365. This is important. This whole thing is starting in the middle of October of 2020. I know it's not really right around the corner, but it's going to affect you if you've got, if you're a developer or you've got custom stuff that you've built and you're using things like the .NET 4.5 runtime or other SDKs that are connecting to Microsoft 365 and they use TLS 1.0 or 1.1 because if they do, they're not going to work once this rolls out. You need to be using TLS 2.0. So if you aren't sure, check your code, make sure that you're using the right stuff. And if not, I'm mentioning it this far out to make sure that everyone is aware of, oh, sorry, they're moving to TLS 1.2, not 2.0. 
My bad. I don't know these things. Big mistake. Anyway, the other message center thing that I want to highlight here is a new change to access behavior for public groups in Microsoft Forms. This is number 240161. This is going to start rolling out in the middle or the second half of March 2021. So about a month from when this comes out. What they're doing here is currently all users in your organization, they can access a shared form in a public group. And users can also edit the form and view the response data without first joining the public group. But after the change that they're rolling out, users will need to join and become a member of the public group in order to access shared forms from within that group. I don't know about everybody else, but it seems that every single time I get a Microsoft form from someone, the first thing we have to do is we have to go back to the person who wrote the form to let them know that nobody outside their organization can actually get the form and actually fill it out. And I find that the people who are the worst culprits of this is when Microsoft sends me a form that is a Microsoft form that they've created. So I don't know. It's going to affect everybody, but I feel like we've already been affected by sharing forms. So it's not really that much of a change. We're all kind of used to it. So those are the two things that I wanted to make sure I highlighted today. Today is going to be a different show than we normally do. I mean, we, we normally, it's just CJ and I, where we are talking about some topic and we interview people sometimes, or we catch up on the news. Today, CJ is not with us. He, as I said, he's off on vacation with his family, taking a nice break. But that works out great. Sorry, CJ, but that works out great for me and all of our listeners because we actually get to do a significant upgrade on the show this week. This week, I'm joined by two good friends of mine, but also regulars on the show, Julie Turner and Mark Anderson from Simpraxis Consulting. And today, I thought that we would kind of, we're both, all three of us live in the Microsoft 365 space. And you listeners, you've heard me rant about stuff before. Actually, I've had a few of you even say on Twitter that I love how AC keeps it real and he does never like holds back from what he's thinking. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I was a little too honest on some of that stuff. But I'd like to hear what these guys think because Julie and Mark have a really good perspective and a lot of times a very different perspective than I have on this stuff. Apart from just their work that they do and is very different from the work that I do the people that they interact with, their customers they interact with specifically. And uh, yes, it's always good to get a different opinion on things. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun application performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. With Raygun, monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. I've personally used Raygun and Hyperfish for the last four years to help me sleep better at night knowing the customers we've worked so hard to get are having a great experience. We use Raygun to alert engineers proactively so that we can be the ones to tell customers when we've fixed the problem instead of them calling us to say something's wrong. Raygun.com is my secret weapon in shipping high-quality code. Check it out at raygun.com and get up and running in minutes. This podcast is brought to you by Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, wouldn't you take it? Because our friends at Nintex want to give you a gift, the gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. 
In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products that you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it how you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. And we're back. Without further ado, Julie and Mark, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks, Stacey. As usual. It's a huge upgrade. I feel this is awesome. We did one of these guests. Yeah, CJ doesn't have to come back. He can stay on the slopes for another time. We can keep doing this. Hmm. this You know, he might listen to this. You do understand that, right? Now, usually he doesn't. Usually he doesn't (laughs) listen to when I do the solo show, so I can get away with just about anything. (laughs) That's why it's full of bashing. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, we thought we were talking about it pre-show. We were going to say that, hey, you know, it's I'll do the whole thing in like a fake Kiwi uh, New Zealand accent. But if I did that, I would probably lose our New Zealand contingent of listeners. Um, Either that or they'd severely roll their eyes at us. Yeah. Oh, well, no, that happens every week. I am (laughs) certain of that. (laughs) Probably. But hey, before we dive in, for people who are not familiar with who you guys are, Julie, would you take a second and would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I'm Julie Turner. I am a partner and I sort of act as a CTO of Simpraxis Consulting. We are a small six-person consulting firm that's sort of spread across the United States. I'll let Mark say some things, but um, my background is primarily development. So I'm sort of like that, you know, client-side dev, full-stack dev, lots and lots of C-sharp in my world. So do mostly development around customizing and building uh, integration solutions with the Microsoft 365 platform. So that's my specialty or my focus. Mark? Cool. Awesome. Mr. Anderson. Yes. So it's in practice. We are six people and we are around the country. Doesn't really matter where we are anymore, does it? I mean, Mm -hmm. we used to worry about being in different places, but as it turns out, it doesn't matter at all right now. But we, you know, like, like AC and Julie have alluded to, we are all over Microsoft 365. It's what we do. Julie's the heavy duty developer. I'm more of an information architect, hand waver, strategy, strategist, things like that. We love what we do, don't we? All of us, actually. We've been well, doing not AC. And not a, no, he, he he loves it on a lot of days. It just doesn't sound like it. That's probably more what the problem is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's been doing this longer than we have, I think. This You know what's funny world. about this? He's the youngest of the three of us and most grumpy old man. Well, <laughs> I don't really want to let him take that crown. I don't yeah, I know. Get off your lawn. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a run for the money, Mark. Yeah, I don't know how to say this, but some people think that I'm like, I'm just so negative on a lot of stuff. And I don't think that that's what it is. I do, I do feel, I mean, big picture, I do keep... I have a very positive outlook on the space that we live in. I know I've said some things that are fairly critical to it. And I am trying to be, it's not a resolution, but I am trying to be a little less of that critical and learn more before I say something this year. I tried that when a new product came out just recently, I got slammed for it and was like, I thought that was actually the better version way of doing it when I asked. But at any rate, I think you and I sort of dance the same line because as we've gotten to know the people at Microsoft over many years, we know what they're capable of. We know that they're incredibly talented people. And when we see them do something that we 
didn't, you know, we, we were sort we weren't along for the ride, right? It's just mm-hmm. sort of here it is. Sometimes we have legitimate questions or suggestions. And generally, you and I and Julie, we're trying to give constructive feedback, but sometimes we can be real dorks about it. And people can misinterpret that. I think that we expect more because we know those folks and we love this ecosystem. And so we want them to do really well. Well, I was just going to say that. I mean, I think if we didn't care so much, we wouldn't be so critical. And that doesn't make it okay. Like, I mean, we shouldn't, you know, I think you also have to realize that everybody has a perspective and our perspective is not their perspective. And there's all sorts of pieces of these decision-making processes that we don't have any visibility into, even with our relationships inside of Microsoft. And so, you know, we have to be a little careful and give a grain of, you know, think a little bit about, you know, how critical we're being. But at the same time, if they don't hear it from somebody, how do they know that this is an, there is an issue, right? So there's a balancing act between giving constructive feedback and being just negative for the sake of being negative. And I don't think any of us are negative for the sake of negative, but we all care a lot about this product. Like I care that it's good and that it works for people more probably than I should, given that it's, you know, my work life, but I do, I really care that it it is a good thing and a good product and that it helps people be productive and and do the best work they can do. One of the challenges that I have is the majority of the interaction that I have with people about Microsoft 365 is not so much customers because in the role that I do, I'm more in the education space. And so I speak it's like I'm constantly giving presentations or I'm constantly writing to where I don't interact with the people that are actually consuming the content on a one-on-one basis as much, whereas a consultant does do that. Like you guys do have that experience a lot more. And so I feel that a lot of the times, like you and I are both involved in a lot of stuff that is like NDA or, or closed small group conversations with Microsoft and other people that are like us. And I feel the majority of like those people that I interact with, they know me, they know my background, they know where I'm coming from. I'm not just a jerk about it. But I mean, I feel like, okay, can we just get past the whole like massaging the message? Can we just get down to brass tacks and talk and just be honest about stuff? And you can see past like, I'm not attacking you. I'm just, and I'm not attacking the product. I'm just trying to be like, I'm, I'm trying to make it better, but I just feel like it would be a lot faster if I don't have to feel like I have to package up my message to like somebody brand right. new that I'm coming across with. That's the challenge that I deal with. I mean, and I know just recently we were in a call. We were in a call. Even one of your colleagues joined the or was added to the PMP group. And like the meeting came in when we did the first like group meeting of everything, people started uh, apologizing right out of the bat for me. And I'm like, wait, no, hold on a minute. I'm not an ass. <laughs> like, I'm not. He already knew what we had. Well, yeah, 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 we had. Know. We had pretty much set you up. Yeah. M was completely aware. <laughs> not to name any names or anything, but yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that when they're looking at what's coming out of Microsoft for the Microsoft 365 platform, they're seeing the end result of a lot of planning and thinking, some of which is really good. Yeah, yes. Oh, sorry. That was outside voice. (laughs) some Some of which is really good planning and thinking and some of which we might take issue with, right? But we're always seeing just the tip. You know, everybody sees a certain size tip of the iceberg. You know, we get to see a little bit more of the top of the iceberg than, I mean, we know when we're going to get, when we're going to hit that iceberg. Some of the other people, you know, in the community who are 
customers or just general users of the platform, they don't have a lot of framing for how they feel about things. So in our interactions with customers, and we see how things really work, how they really play out, and the marketing messages or the you know, the sort of whiz-bang stuff doesn't last more than the first conversation when you're trying to put something together that people can use and actually do their job better with. So that's part of where my criticality comes from. You know, it's like you see something new come out and you think, but they didn't do this part. <laughs> and it sucks when you feel like that's the first thing that you, that you want to say, but sometimes it is because you know when it's actually in use, that's the first thing you're going to run into. It's funny we started with this because <laughs> this is actually kind of one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about to get your take on. That, that wasn't planned. That whole thread that we just did wasn't, was totally unplanned. One of the things, you know, we were kind of going back and forth when I asked you guys about a week ago, would, you know, would you like to be join me for being a guest host and talking about this? Is this? I don't really want this. This isn't really an interview. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I mean, we all live in the Microsoft 365 space and as the beginning of the year. And so I kind of thought, you know, I know that Microsoft has done, a, you know, they did a big product announcement, I guess you could say. I wouldn't call it a release, but they did a big product announcement. There was a release like, hidden in there. Well, kind of. Like there was a topics. It was available that day. And, and yeah. that message didn't really come out as clearly as I think it could have. Yeah. I'm interested to learn more about Viva. I'm guessing we might get to that topic today. But I want to start with kind of asking both of you a couple different questions about Microsoft 365. And let's see if we can do this kind of in a rapid fire thing. Because I think that if we do, if we, I could ask one of these questions, and I think that we could, we could all, one of us could stick on it for an entire hour. Let's try and do this for like, we give ourselves like a, like a couple minutes, or specifically you guys. This is a lightning round. It's kind of like the lightning round. So I got a few questions about specifically about Microsoft 365 that I want to get your takes on. So let me start first. So I'm gonna, Julie, I'm going to start with you first. And then okay. on the next question, I'm going to start with Mark. Okay. So I may not what, have an opinion. <laughs> right. You know, I will. The three, if of you us don't. Don't, the three of us don't have an opinion. I, that's the one thing I was not really concerned about today. <laughs> it's always time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have a hard stop at, at at the bottom of the hour, the top of the hour, whatever it's called. And yeah, so we got to get there. All right. So first question, thinking about like state of Microsoft 365, what are you excited about? Looking forward, doesn't have to be like tomorrow, two months, a year, just in general. What are you most excited about with Microsoft 365? I told you, I don't know that I have an answer. I think excited is the wrong term. I am hopeful. And I'm constantly hopeful that the API landscape is going to start to come together a little tighter. I mean, as a dev, the thing that I have to hang my hat on is what API landscape do I have to make things happen the way I need them to happen? And the thing that falls apart for me constantly, I mean, authentication, blah, 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 all of those things... But the thing that constantly falls apart is you get to the, th the thing that you want to do and you look at the API landscape of, for how I can get that done and the, oh, well, they have that, but not app level permissions, or they have that, or they don't have that at all, or you have to do that in the graph and you do this other thing in SharePoint and you do this this way and here's the trick in the roundabout way you get that done and, oh, this payload, you know what I mean? So there's yeah. this, it's just, it's like, 
it's a one o thing that never kind of gets finished. There's all sorts of things we could say about why. I don't want to talk. I, you know, that doesn't make lightning around. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. But well, that I don't care. But yeah, no. But a quick, quick, quick example is like planner, right? So if you want to create a planner plan, there is no app level permissions to do that. So you to get around it, you basically have to take your account that you're going to use, whatever service account you're going to fake up. Add it as a member to the group because you can't add it as an owner because that could take a couple hours. Add it as a member of the group, do the planner thing, and then remove yourself. But the yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's frustrating. It almost feels like with the API landscape, and my view on this goes way back to the SOAP services because that's where I started with them. Is there's a lot there except for the things that you really need to do, <laughs> you know? And I mean, it, it, and it's not always that case, but it's clear that different people built every single set of APIs. They took totally different approaches. I think that that's gotten a lot better, at least from what, I mean, you're nodding. So I think, oh, sorry, I think it's yeah, heading in the right direction. I can see you only. nodding. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm, I'm announcing that you're nodding. <laughs> But it still it still feels fragmented, and that's Microsoft being a big company, and it's not it's, it's totally understandable, you know. But once you ship an API, that doesn't mean you're done. I've lived that a little bit with that JavaScript library I had. You know, you don't just stop. You know, if there are ways to improve it, and I was sitting on top of some APIs and trying to come up with better ways to combine them. You keep doing that, and I know that sometimes I've heard Julie especially not knocking her head against the wall because there's just, there's a hole and you gave some great examples. It just seems unfortunate. Yeah. I can sympathize with that. I mean, I, I definitely, or I can, I have empathy with that, I guess, because I'm I, same boat. I mean, you want to go do something and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, you can't do that. Or like the latest thing is that, you know, you, we've been asking for so long, I want to be able to have permissions just on a specific site collection. And they're like, oh, sweet, we did it in Teams. Now we're going to do it for SharePoint. Sweet. Oh, we just did it for SharePoint. Sweet. How'd you do it? Huh? <laughs> yeah. And so, but that doesn't do everything I needed to do. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get, we're going to come to that. And it's like, that's a good thing about being hopeful about. I'm, look, the pessimistic side of me is I'm almost kind of convinced that I don't see that that getting better. This is the part that I guess if I was the big, the most disappointing part about Microsoft 365 to me on that topic is we don't have the version of like a tech czar. We don't have somebody who is like the overreaching that says, hey, before we do this, it's got to go through John Doe and John Doe has got to be cool with it. The Uber architect. Yeah. There really, there really like, needs to be something like that. Yeah. Like so, and it's, I mean, he's, he or she has on their list, like, if you're going to ship this, you must have APIs and they must be exposed through Microsoft All Graph right. with these permissions. And it's like, I would give my left arm if somebody put APIs first. Like you can't ship a product unless all the APIs to do that thing are there. Because, yeah, it, you know, the, they always want adoption and I love adoption, but without being able to provision things which require APIs, bigger companies are not going to adopt that thing faster, right? You need to be able to create that thing or manipulate that thing. That's how you get true, big, huge adoption. I mean, there ought to be a way to do through the APIs the majority of things that users can do through some sort of gesture, right? If I click on a box and something happens, then 
that should also have an API endpoint. That's you know, the thing to me. I haven't understood that. Why is it that, you know, when they implement something, like I'm dealing with something with the Teams group right now, and they've got, they are telling me that in, in this new, in this new release of developer tooling that they're doing, they're like, we're going to have people do this, but that uses a, a special process. And we have to come up with a different process for users to be able to do it or for whatever. And I'm like, why? Because I'm going to do the exact same thing that the tool does. And you're going to do the exact same thing. Why do you have to be different? Why can't you create an API and then you use that API and then document that API that I can then use to do the exact same thing? Why can't we do that? It seems to me that there's this tendency toward incredible complexity in a large organization of any kind. I'm not just going to blame Microsoft for this one because a lot of people get into a lot of rooms and talk about a lot of things for a lot of time. And so trying to satisfy everyone often leads to satisfying few. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little bit of what goes on. I mean, I think that your idea of the, you know, the sort of overarching architecture role, I don't know that they've ever had that, but or maybe it didn't matter as much in the past. I don't think but, it mattered. I think it yeah. really matters. I mean, now. where you have where you have all these apps and services working ostensibly working together, but feeling so different, or even mm-hmm. from an end user's perspective, and they've gotten a lot better about it. But it's reflected in in the APIs as well. Yeah. I think that they they don't not on the Office side or the Microsoft three sixty five side. They have not had it. They have had it over on the Azure side, and you can tell. And that's the part that is that frustrates me is that I the company has it. They've gotten it. They've done it. I just want the version of Scott Guthrie. I want him over on the Azure side. Or sorry, on the Microsoft 365 side. But this so, lightning round is not working. No, I was just about to <laughs> And we weren't positive. About, can, can I, so we're all clear on that. Can I can I answer? I actually had a positive thing. Oh go. Yes. Can I, I answer that? Something good. That'll be yes. great. Do so that. I said a bunch of times last year that it felt like we just finished a three-year product cycle. And all of a sudden we were sort of on, like modern pretty much works, you know, like it came out, it's there, it's solid. I'm starting to feel, and I think we'll see more and more of this, that as enterprise software, Microsoft 365 is caught up or is catching up to the way consumer software works. It's getting that, that the user experiences are getting that good. The Mm -hmm. kinds of things that you expect from things that your mom can use. I use my mom as an example, and she knows it because she sucks with technology, you know, <laughs> where it's accessible in a general sense. You know, you can sort of walk up to something and know that you might want to click on something and that this might happen. And I'm always sort of buoyed by seeing that getting better and better. I still think, you know, you two are techies. I still think that they cater too much to techies, and that shows up in the UI sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you can have this new thing, but you have to run some PowerShell. They're getting there, but they're still, you know, five or six or seven years in, they're still learning how to run a service at scale all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't know how to do it. I mean, I think they're actually very good at it. And so anyway, so that is a positive thing. When I say consumer, a consumer feel to the UI, I mean that as a compliment. You know, it, it really does feel like something you want to use. It can even be fun. You know, most people use it in terms of their work, so it's not necessarily fun to them, but it's not boring. It's not mm-hmm. stayed. You it's know, the UIs make sense. No, no. <laughs> so, and I think that's really good. 
I think that's yeah, making gonna, a huge difference. I'll second that, Mark, because like because I don't do UX design, like front end SharePoint teams implementations much. I mean, I see them, but I don't. I'm not involved. When Emily puts something together and I see it, I'm like, Jesus criminy, that exactly. Look at that thing. That's gorgeous. And yeah. you're a little shocked. You're like, that's SharePoint. And that's gorgeous. And you're like, right. whoa. It's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> well, well and, you know, and, we, and, if you've been in this for a while, since the 2003, 2007, you know, everybody always wanted SharePoint to not look like SharePoint because it was ugly <laughs> was the implication. I think that's gone. Like that's just gone. SharePoint is beautiful. It's stripped away the, one of the excuses that people had to not focus on content. Content is what matters. All of the bells and whistles and the custom development and all that stuff is to get some sort of content to people when they need it to, so that they can do their jobs better. I mean, that, that's why we use computers. And I think, I think that with the user experiences that we have now, you can't argue about that anymore. The content is the thing that you have to focus on. You can make it pretty in... 30 minutes if you just spend a little bit of time figuring something out. And so that's an incredibly powerful thing. The flip side of that is a lot of organizations now are, are sort of like, our content sucks. It didn't matter when it was just a PDF embedded in a document library. So I think, I think organizations are going through, at least the ones that I've worked with in the last couple of years, they're going through a real adjustment of how they've thought about their content and how they're starting to represent it on the web. And it's so much easier than it used to be. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective on it. I like that. That's good. Oh, we ended on a high note. Isn't that so nice? Oh, we're not done. That question. No, we're not done. He's got other questions. <laughs> no, no, we, I we meant can... that question. We ended that question <laughs> on a high note. Let's just all take that in and be really happy right now. Congratulations, everyone. And, and, and I just want to point out that I was the one who said a couple of happy things. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> you get the credit for that. I've never had that, but I, am, I will give you the credit for that. So let me ask you this then. So what do you think, Mark, what do you think the future holds for us in Microsoft 365 for this year? Where do you see like the big investments, the big things that customers are interested in? Where are your customers interested? Where, what are they asking about? Where do you think that Microsoft's focus is? We're just two weeks away or a week away from a big announcement that they made. But we're, we keep this big announcement I keep referring to, I'm talking about Viva and the employee experience, but that's not going to be the only thing that they're talking about throughout the year. So even though while that's in, the, in everybody's mind, I don't mean that, you know, hey, this is the year of Viva, right after they said year of teams just like two weeks before or yammer that, so. or something like that yeah then it was what. year of yammer and it was year of list and yeah, i can't figure out which, what the year is Dog. but where do you think where do you see things going this year and kind of like as one a and one b is where do you hope things are going this year i think i see a couple things going on that are trends that a terrify me and b excite me so there's so much new stuff coming out all the time and it's not, I always used to be overwhelmed. Like when the new, a new version of SharePoint would come out, it'd be like, I'm an idiot. I know nothing. I'm like starting from square one. I don't understand any of this. I'm going to have to relearn everything. And now that happens all the time. You know, as a consultant, how, how can you be good at all of this? And you can't, right? So we're all starting to specialize, I think, more and more on the platform. And 
even some of the things that we've specialized in are getting bigger and that gets harder. And so, so that's the part that terrifies me. The part that excites me is that there's so much there. I mean, you can really go into Microsoft 365 and sort of start throwing away a lot of your other software. And this isn't a sales pitch. It, it's true, right? It's gotten to the point where you can replace a lot of enterprise software and be on this one platform that all connects together, unfortunately, in ways that most end users cannot comprehend. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's so much of it. And I think most organizations have to sort of figure out like which part of the elephant they're going to bite and maybe even carve off a small piece of that to start. And so it becomes really intimidating, terrifying to me, intimidating to other people. But that's what I think I see. There's just more and more new stuff coming out. Viva like came out of nowhere. Like, oh, there's this new thing, right? And there are going to be more of those. And it's just more stuff that people are going to have to sort of get their heads around. And a lot of the organizations we work with don't have an architect. They have a SharePoint person, maybe, or not even an IT department. And they just have some people who know that they need to be able to do things better, but they can't figure out how because there's too much. That's a good thing, but it can feel very bad. Overwhelming? Overwhelming. Overwhelming, intimidating. I think the entry point is hard. I don't think this is about adoption. I think it's about understanding. Adoption is a thing that you focus, to me, you focus on if you haven't done it right in the first place. Mm. If you have a compelling product and people can see how it, how it works and they can start using it immediately and understand that they're getting some benefit out of it. You don't have to talk about adoption. And I think that that consumerism of the, of the user experiences is really helping with that adoption more than any adoption program that you can have. And I know a couple of people are going to be mad at me for saying that. But just, just like the, the animal's gotten so big. That's the thing. And I think this year we're going to see a lot of big new announcements like Diva, you know, lists at the end of last year. You know, just these brand new things that e either are brand new or repackaging or are other things bundled into different combinations, et cetera. Yeah. My hope is that it doesn't, it does, we don't have this like knee jerk reaction to like the whole people working remotely and work from home stuff that it's like everyone just focus, like Microsoft just focuses on that and thinking like, well, this is going to be the new thing and everyone's going to be working from home. We need to focus. We need to cater just to that. And it's like, I can't, there's going to be some long-term impacts from this whole thing we're going through, this pandemic we're going through. But there's also going to be a lot of like going back to the way things were. And I can't think that something that's been going on for one year is going to change, is going to make such a significant change to how like... That's a tough one a though. That you can throw a lot, of the, a, lot of, a lot away of what we used to do. Yeah, I've been talking to clients about that and sort of like what are they seeing their organizations doing as... The light at the end of the tunnel doesn't seem to have a train in the middle of it. <laughs> I think a lot of organizations are planning to bring people back, but differently. So there will be lasting changes. I think different organizations will end up in different places on that spectrum. Yeah. This is not what we were talking about. But a lot of employers have realized, you know, hey, we don't have to pay for all that, that office space if people can just do this from home. And right. a lot of people who can work from home are like, hey, I don't have to do that commute. Mm -hmm. And so some of that's going to stick. I think the Microsoft 365 platform, to bring it back to the, to the topic, is, has become especially well-suited to support and has for a long time that kind of remote work. 
that's exactly the point I was going to make. They maybe had some things to do right at the very beginning of the pandemic when everybody went remote and there was some holes in like teams and some other things that they needed to plug really quickly and probably need to still work on a little bit as far as like the product being good at helping everybody remote collaborate really well. There, you know, there's definitely with some things they had to focus on there, but I don't see that as the long-term focus. I see the long-term focus as having to be around consolidating the channels of communication, right? So we can't keep going with email, Teams channels, SharePoint sites, Yammer conversations, like just to name the ones under the Microsoft 365 umbrella, let alone all the freaking social media stuff. We can't keep going having to check or be interrupted by X and number of channels of communication, right? Like the fact that the other day I'm like, so I have this person who needs to reach out for you. What's your best? Email, Teams, chat? Would you like, you know, like it's- Carrier pigeon, smoke signal. Right. It's like, why do we have to ask that question? Why can't I just pick a mode of communication? You're going to get that mode of communication in some- centralized way. Do you remember that application Trillium? I loved Trillium. Exactly. Trillium was one UI for all of those services. It was so ahead of its time. And it really, really worked. And maybe it wasn't secure and who cares? You know, it, it took away all that friction. You know, people say they spend two or three hours a day on email or whatever it is. And they don't mean email. They mean all the other things coming their way via a screen. A lot of that's because we have to go to so many of them. Yeah. It's frustrating. That is something that I fought that for a long time. And then finally last year did the whole like, all right, that's it. I declare bankruptcy. I am no longer going to try to educate people on how to get in touch with me. I'm simply going to change how I use these tools. And if someone really wants to get a hold of me, the way the old school way of getting a hold of me well, old school for me is email. And it's like, my email hadn't changed in almost 20 years. And almost everybody that wants to get a hold of me, I'm, it's, re, it's not a private thing. It's very public. It's very easy to get a hold of me. You really want to get a hold of me. It's not going to be hard to find it via email. But if you send me a message via Teams, and I don't respond for two weeks. If you send me a DM on Twitter and I don't respond for a week. If you need to get a hold of me, then here's a way to do it. And it's, I yeah. finally stopped trying to force other people to do it. And yeah, that meant that I missed some stuff. But, but I think you have a very unique situation. You are one, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And I think what I'm trying to address is you're in an organization and either as big as Microsoft or as small as Simpraxis, you know, we have our ways of communicating with each other yeah. that we have sort of agreed upon as a group that work for us. And the issue, I think, for some of the more medium-sized organizations is there's too many freaking tools and they're like, wait, you didn't see my my response to the channel conversation we were having about blah? Comments on list items is a great it's, example. Like That it, is a great it example. It seems like a good idea, but at the same time, it's yet another place. I should better state that my extreme frustration with this whole thing is that when one line of conversation has been going on with someone... And then someone just decides, like, if I send you a message on Teams and you respond by opening up Facebook Messenger and send me a message, 
that irrationally oh, okay. makes me angry. We like, have wait, we have we that were, problem you, in my house. Oh my! I, I'm like you just in my saw house. the message in that platform, and you couldn't hit reply and respond. I'll Seriously? send an email to somebody in my house, and I won't say who it is, and I'll get a text back. And then all of a sudden it goes like this, right? And that's the danger on this platform. We get these fragmented conversations that they're all over the place. Each one of those tools is perfectly good to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Teams, email, Yammer, Carrier Pigeon, Planner, List Comments, Comments in Word. All of these things are perfectly good ways to have a conversation, but they end up fragmented. Yeah. It, There's well, no unified view of that. You want e-discovery. I mean, I think we just killed it. It's like the, the e-discovery platform is going to be like, we're going to crawl everything, but not only are we going to go find all the information, we then are going to collate it and actually say, this is a conversation across 60 different things where you talked about what, it, but now we got to put, stitch it all back what, together. What, it's what like I the love. problem with the tasks. It's the same problem, right? You've yeah, got yeah. to do and... What I love, though, lists. is that when you don't see one of those things, what happens? Nothing. You get an email. You get, yeah, an email. you get an email. Well, and that's the thing that falls back to. And that's, I don't, yeah. I don't see, like in dealing with somebody at Microsoft, they're like, if you really want to get a hold of me, you're going to use Teams. And I'm like, I don't really want to get a hold of you. Though. <laughs> I mean, this is just, we're having, I mean, this is, I'm doing this for your benefit. If, if you want me, it's something that is, is constantly frustrating to me. And I guess the big, the most frustrating thing about it is that the easiest way to solve it is if you could change the way, if you could change people's behavior for communicating and, with you the way that works best. And, and that and would be the best solution, but it ain't ever going to happen. That's the crux of us, of it. Technology can only do what technology does. People yeah. are both the benefit and the problem, Yeah. right? And corporate culture and individual behavior and fear-based activity and all that sort of stuff, that the psychology of all of this is actually... Over the years, I've, I've decided it's more important than the technology itself. Yeah. And, you know, you can build the best possible piece of technology and people will screw it up or they'll <laughs> cheat around it or they'll, oh, they'll break it or they'll, you know, use it for something it was never intended to be used for. Agreed. And that's all about people. Julie, I realized that I didn't ask you this question. I need to make sure that, that I ask you this question. So what is your, like hope or where do you see things going for, I, 20, for this year? Yeah, I'm hopeful that, and I guess I kind of see that they're starting to sort of consolidate into one sort of vision, like one, you know, like team seems to be the center and it feels like they're trying to just take all the other things that we have and turn them into services and sort of surface them through teams or some thing like Teams if it doesn't end up being Teams. That's what it kind of feels like to me. I'm really, really hoping that they sort of figure out the fact that nobody gives or understands what any of these products are, doesn't care at all, and just wants some help saying, okay, these products do these things. And when you have to do this kind of work, I'm going to set you up with that thing that has all the tools all configured and all ready to help you do that work. And it's just going to magically appear for you. Because although Mark and I and, and other consultants like us around can figure out how to puzzle those pieces together and give you the best way to do that thing with the puzzle pieces we have, nobody who does the work 
who's actually working, has a day job, gives a care what any of those puzzle pieces are. Yeah. And Microsoft tends to, that adoption problem for me is that they're always like, here's Teams and here's what it does. Nobody cares what Teams does. They just <laughs> want a thing that helps them do the thing they need to do in their day job. And then yeah. they want to go home. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to know what all these pieces are. They're not excited about the technology and trying to make people excited about the technology when all they really want to do is do their job. Maybe they're excited about their job. Maybe they're a, a researcher in some organization and they're just jazzed about figuring out some chemical compound or whatever. And that's, they don't care about SharePoint. They just want it to, to help them get the thing that they're doing done or communicate yeah. about it or collaborate about it. And most people aren't most really people aren't weird like us and and think that this is the thing that matters. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good point of view. That's a good view on it. I mean, that's you're highlighting like my biggest probably my biggest frustration with Teams is that Microsoft wants everything to be in Teams, but when I want to get some work done, I want to use something that I can focus on getting that work done. I'm a person that that does deep work. I can't do like shallow work. I can't multitask very quickly between different things. Either. And if what I've got to get some work done, like if I had to get some stuff done inside of inside of Word, if I need to if I need to go if I need to write an article inside of Word, I need to focus on doing that. And having the ability for someone to IM me in Word is <laughs> completely counterproductive in me getting the job done because it's interrupting me and it's entering train of thought. And that that's the my But there are analytics to tell you that that's the case. Oh my God, that's the part that drives me nuts. It's the thing is like the one product that does everything and it's like, that's great, it does everything, but now I don't want to use it because everything can be done there so that people can see that I'm online. And so I tried last week as an experiment, like I'm just going to leave myself offline. I'm going to override my, my presence in Teams and just say I'm offline the entire time. And I go in, I'm doing some work and I start getting like messages. And I'm like, how do you know I'm even online? You're sending me like chat messages. Like, how does this work? This is like, either somebody's faking it or... Or they're sending them to you, hoping that when you come back online, you'll see them. I mean, there's email. A, there's, I don't disagree, <laughs> but if you get used to do, using that tool for that purpose, you don't want to switch context. This goes back to what they're trying to get their thing done. Like this, my husband and I argue about this all the time. When something comes up that needs to be done, I do it immediately. Yeah. We need something on the grocery list. I go find the thing. I put it on the grocery list that second because if I don't put it on the grocery list that second, it's gone from my brain. I don't want to yeah. have to remember that I got to do that at some later time. So yeah. I think this Teams conversation is right. Like I'm in Teams, I'm doing some stuff and somebody makes a comment. Oh, I need to tell AC that. I'm in Teams. I just want to tell it. And he's on the list. So I'm just going to tell him right now and I'm going to get that done. Having to, and I do this for you because I love you. It's AC and I got to go, oh, don't send him a Teams message, send an email. And I literally will stop what I'm doing to go to email, to send you an email. And I only do it because I love you. If it's somebody I don't love, I'm not going to do that. You know she what I'm saying? She doesn't do that for me. She <laughs> just, I won't do that. She just him. lobs stuff at me. Lob. <laughs> throw it over the wall. It, it works a lot of the time, so. But the you know, you see do. what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like no, there's I, that. I do. I do. And yeah. I mean, I recognize that I, I, I'm curious I talk to fewer and fewer people that have the issue, the, the same issue that I have with it. And so I wonder if it's like going, this is very much my problem and no one cares about it. I don't think it is. And sometimes I think it's, you know, Mr. Old Fogey disease or something. It, it isn't. I think everybody has a much shorter attention span now. And, and yeah. by now, I mean, in the last five to 10 years, it's yeah. been going and I'm sure there's some science out there, but I don't know it. 
you know, that where our, our attention spans have gotten shorter, we're doing smaller and smaller chunks of thinking, working, everything. And at some point, I think it, it really becomes fraying on people's nerves. I don't think our brains are wired for that. You know, we we're supposed to be out there on the savannah spending a half, uh, you know, three days tracking a mastodon, not playing video games that last three minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that it's a fear that I have as well. I mean, that's the same thing. I see it with people that I know and just that the attention, the attention span has gotten so low or being able to like jump around in the middle of a conversation with someone and they just stop and they're like texting someone. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I was you don't right love here. me. We were in the middle of a couple. Well, no, I'm not going to go there because I'm not, I'm not going to say that that's an issue in my house, but I'm not going to say I, it. I wasn't, I wasn't inferring that. Interesting. I'm curious to see where we go this year. I'm curious to see like over the next couple months, like what the Ignite conference in March, like what Microsoft 365 wants to talk about there, what Microsoft as a whole wants to talk about there. And we'll see how much Viva, how much Cortex is talked about and kind of defines what they're going to be where they put their flag in the ground for the rest of the year. I mean, we'll see where they where they go with it. We get two Ignites this year, so we'll see, get a little bit more perspective on it as well. I really appreciate the two of you joining me today and sharing this. Of course, like I said at the beginning, we could have probably, I had four or five topics I wanted to get to, and I got to two subtopics on one of those topics <laughs> because I knew that we would sit there and just kind of keep going on and on. But we, hey, we did this for a good 52 minutes. So I do want to just reiterate that we said a lot of positive things in all of that grousing, right? So I think if if people walk away listening to the three of us talk and think, oh, they're so negative or they're they're down on everything, that's actually not true. You just may have to listen a little more carefully. I agree. It's not a negative, it's not a negative mindset. I have had a negative mindset in the past, and I'm doing my best to not make it seem like that's what it is and being so negative on things like team is just certain thing you know i recognize these are not problems with the product these are problems with me well i have to change (laughs) there's a long list of those anyway julia mark thank you very much for joining me today i appreciate it thanks for inviting us yeah thanks for having us we enjoyed it absolutely did you like this episode please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in apple Podcasts. it helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience and we would really appreciate it If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.